0: Hi, I'm Mara Webster with In Creative Company, and I'm so excited today to be talking about the wonderful IFC Films movie, Bad Acts*. We are joined today by director, producer and cinematographer David Siv, along with family members and subjects Jacqueline and Chun Siv. And David, I wanted to start by, by talking a little bit about the origin of, of how this became a film for you, because you were home during the, the beginning of the shutdown and the beginning of the pandemic. And it, it sounds like you've always been the family member to have a camera, to, to be filming moments and really just capturing those home videos for everybody and I was really interested in where the tipping point came of this being something where you were just filming moments and memories with your family to the idea of potentially making a film and and even also just the moment where you realize oh this is a full feature film because I know you've done short filmmaking before as well. Sure
1: yeah I mean um you know going back to the origin of this I mean even before I, I picked up the camera and, you know, being back home that first day back in Bad Axe, I always knew I wanted to share my family's story uh, be, because to me, it uh, my parents are the epitome of the American dream, you know? A, a Mexican-American woman and a Cambodian refugee who uh, came to this country with nothing but the shirt on his back uh, in 1979, uh, decided in all places to settle in Bad Axe, Michigan and to uh, raise their family there and to open up a donut shop. And uh, they don't quite ex- you know, succeed at that. So uh, we have to turn it into a restaurant. And it takes many, many years before we were able to finally turn it around as a family and not only make it a successful business, but uh, sort of like this community center of what like, Bad Axe, Michigan is. Um, and, and for me, like that American Dream story was one I always wanted to share. Um, I just thought I would I would always write a script about it, and like that would be the way of sharing my family's story. Um, but you know, at the at you know at the beginning of the pandemic, when I moved back home, um, I I sat down with my parents, you know, just wanting to get their story, thinking I could have I would have all this free time to start writing my script. But at the same time, I was also just filming, you know, these home videos, like I I guess like a COVID diary of sorts, just capturing life every day as it was for our family um, for no reason other than just wanting to have, you know, those memories to hold on to, to bottle them up. And uh, it was when I started editing uh, shortly after the Black Lives Matter protests that happened in Bad Axe. was when I began to realize that this American dream story I always wanted to share about my family uh, was still unfolding itself in front of me, but with uh, being, you know, challenged in a new way with, you know, the pandemic and this racial reckoning and, um, you know, community members, uh, you know, telling us they weren't going to support our business because we were responding to that call to activism. It was it was like we were we were still fighting to keep this American dream alive, Uh, Just in the face when everything was going wrong. And it it became very clear that, you know, not only uh, was this story unfolding in front of me in the form of, of a documentary, but it's a story I wanted to share all along.
0: I love that. And, and Chan, you know, in the, in the film, David mentions and talks about the short film that he'd made previously, that was speaking about some of your experiences from Cambodia. What, what was the difference for you in working with your son on a documentary feature and being a subject in this way, as opposed to the collaboration that the two of you had together working on that short
2: film? You, You know, I back to the short film that he made a couple of years prior to the pandemic. And I thought the short film was completely natural because it's really not part of any acting, but just try to remember what i went through during that time period of the Khmer Rouge regime back in Cambodia. And when David asked me to say, hey, you know what, uh, do you remember the captain of the village that you always tell me about how brutal this guy is, how many people he murdered and things like that, I say, David, when you go through the the uh, the, the the sad, scary experience, what I've been through in this small little village in Cambodia, I still can even smell him. I still can even hear him. Even this is how brutal this man is. And then when he started to script everything up and asked me if I would be able to play the man that almost killed me, would kill many other people. Uh, you know, but prior to that, I said, "Well, you know, it, it, it's not too hard to play that man because I remember it clearly." Oh, so take that back, and then the pandemic. Well, during the pandemic, you really don't have time to think. You know, it's just like part of the thing that he captured. It wasn't anything that I can plan. It's just a, a normal thing that from day to day, that he happened to be captured. And the uh, you know in film in those to today we have our more bad day than a good day because of our because number one's pandemic number two the business go through a, a, a state of struggle and shut down number three there's chaos going on you know because the the Black Lives Matter the you know racial dispute and reckonings and things like that so to call, you know to compare the two It really really, is like, you know, I don't know how to put it, but one of them was pretty natural for what I've been through. And the other one, I didn't even realize that was all captured in the film.
0: And and for you, Jacqueline, given what David was talking about, about originally just filming and capturing these moments in almost a, a diary manner, and then starting to see this version of a film that could come together, was, was the dynamic of filming for you always, did it always feel the same? Or was there a slight difference once you knew, okay, this is something that he's actually putting together as a film that the rest of the world and other people are potentially going to see?
3: Mm-hmm. Um you know honestly speaking David kind of like you guys always said was always like the kid with the camera so we were very used to him always filming everything whether it be like interesting you know something interesting or literally like us opening presents on christmas morning you know whether like you know our dog's birthday or whatever it might be um he's just always there to capture these moments so when he started filming um you know in um in march of 2020 you we, like, I can honestly say, I never really even noticed the camera there because it, you just see your brother. It's just your little brother, you know, at the end of the day. And like, we're our family, Um, as you can tell, if you've seen the film, we're extremely close. So, you know, there's, there's no, um, you know, we're, we're pretty honest with each other and open with each other. And, you know, when it, when it's your little brother, there's no, you know, there's no like filter there or anything. It's just, you just see him. You don't really see the camera. So, I mean, I don't think that, you know, and even as he started kind of going through the edits and stuff like that, I don't think there was ever really a time where anything changed. Um, You know, obviously, sometimes when we got in really big family fights, or even if I'd be like, David, you better, you know, I think it'd more so be my parents would be like, David, you better put that freaking camera down. And he, you know, and he didn't. Um, But he would just take a couple steps, you know, but you know, I, I think that Um, as far as did the dynamics change I don't think that they ever um, that they ever did because because it's our you know my brother or you know the son or whatever um, it you know it was just very natural in front of David obviously going back and when you see stuff you're like oh my gosh you know whether it's like things that you know um, my me fighting with my dad or something or times where I was like why didn't I just like put on a little makeup or do my eyebrows or something you know just like little things like that but obviously that's all still in there so um yeah
0: and and David I love what you were saying before about you know the film really looking at what actually goes into the the version of achieving the American dream and and what's really striking in the film is that there's this idea of success but not necessarily seeing the hard work that goes into that every single day. And so there's shots in the film where we're seeing the small moments, you know, we're even just seeing what it's like cleaning up the kitchen at the end of every night and knowing that that's part of the day-to-day, seven days a week, three, you know, throughout the entire year. And so for all of you as a family, what were some of the moments that are the quiet moments of just everything that you pour into this business and everything that you pour into it as a family that you really loved having the opportunity to share with audiences and for them to see about all of the work that goes into that behind the scenes.
1: I mean, I, I think I love that you pick up just, you know, on the nuance of it, right? Because so much of what I'm talking to Jacqueline, it's when she's counting the cash register at night, or like you said, when she's you know, uh, jumping on the mop and trying to, to ring it out. I mean, those are the, the quiet moments where we have a moment to, you know, for me, was able to just bring the camera and, uh, just be able to, to chat with her, you know, one-on-one. Um, but then, you know, they're like, there's also sushi night, which I really love too, which I think really gives, um, you know, that that flavor of like what it's like to work as a team, uh, working together as a family in a restaurant. And, you know, you're seeing it just just through one night. But you have to think that, you know, every weekend, like that's what it's like in our restaurant. I mean, but more organized in that first sushi night. But everyone is working together. Everyone's working that hard. Um, And so, you know, it was uh, it was showing, you know, those instances of, you know, the nuance, but also like scenes like sushi night. Uh, Where you're just seeing, you know, the teamwork at hand.
0: And what about for you, Jacqueline and Chen?
3: I mean, I would have to. I mean, I you know, with the sushi night and everything, it shows the the realness of it, like the actual chaos of us. We've never done that much takeout in our lives. And I mean, I remember I turned, um, we, we did online ordering for the first time. We literally made a Google form because, you know, we didn't have like a website where you could order online or anything. So we were all brainstorming like, okay, what, what can we do? And we're like, oh, let's make a Google form so people can place orders. Um, and that's what we did. And when I posted, you know, when I, when I posted, I was like, no one's probably going to see it. Cause it's like the day of, and normally you would announce it before. Um, and my husband was like, Jacqueline, what do you think people are doing right now? Like people aren't out doing things like they used to be. I think we're going to get, you know, pretty busy. And I was like, we'll see. I don't know. And then, you know, <laughs> we had turn, you know, spoiler spoiler alert. We had to turn off the online ordering at three hours after turning it on um, because we couldn't keep up. But, you know, in the film, I think it shows kind of that hectic- hecticness and the craziness and kind of, you know, even the fact that, yeah, we do kind of bicker and argue, but, you know, it, we don't hold it against each other. It's all very much, because we're in, especially in restaurant business and, you know, in our family in general, we're just flustered in that moment um, of trying to do the best we can do with something that we aren't used to doing. And, you know, I think that in the film, I, I'm glad that David captured that and showed kind of like, you know, it wasn't all like, yeah, from the outside, it might look like, oh, wow, Rachel's is really busy. You know, that's the, like good for them. But on the inside, it's like, oh my gosh, we're we're falling apart, um, but you have to keep going. So, um,
2: yeah. I, I think for me, you know, it's, uh, the whole thing's about the film. What is the moment that really stand out? It was the moment that not much of a moment of success, a moment of, of, of scary, a moment of fear, because, you know, what's going to happen to the business? You know, it was so quiet. The dining room now no, lo- no longer looked like a dining room. And uh, it, everybody probably been through the 2020 can recall. There's a moment that not a single mass is available. Mm-hmm. And I was trying to figure out how am I going to make something at least some sort of protection. And those all sometimes lead into an argument with Jack and they, they look at me, it's like, what in the heck are you doing? You know, this is, uh, and everybody can remember that during that time, you know, yes, we should wear mask. No, we shouldn't wear mask. Yes, mask is good. No, mask is not good. So a lot of confusion moment that we went through during that time. And, uh, and uh, the, the memory moment that I had during that time, which is, they pretty much kicked me out of the restaurants, like, you know what, you guys might as well stay home because of the pandemic. There's no business anyway, and that probably showed a little bit in uh, in the film as well. So I really can't say a whole lot of what I remember in the restaurant because the children pretty much run in the restaurant during that time. So.
0: And and David- I also, I'm sorry.
2: yeah,
1: I was just, I also just love like it shows you know like we also played board games in the restaurant and it's it this very much is like a place like that's always been our home not you know more so you know during the pandemic but like when you know growing up um, you know Jacqueline and, and and me and you know and Michelle we didn't grow up going home after school we went to the restaurant like that was our home that was our living room. Um, so it was, it was important to show, you know, like this place, we love it so much because this is where we grew up at.
0: Yeah. And there's so many elements in the film that that just create this real connectivity and, and one of those is obviously David with you as the filmmaker, what that carries into the story, but yeah. I've heard you say that originally the intention was never for your voice or for you to be in the film or for you to be on camera, and we see that even when there's footage, the first time we see you on camera and you're going well this footage isn't going to be used so it doesn't matter you know, how it sounds and how it looks. Um, yeah. And what what was the moment during the editing process where you started to realize, maybe I should be including some of these moments that I've been filming with myself?
1: I, I think it, it was, you know, when we had our first couple of, of uh, cuts and, you know, I wasn't a voice behind the camera. I wasn't even, I wasn't present in the film at all. Um, and it felt really strange. It was almost like, you know, we'd show it to people and people be like, why am I watching this movie? Like, uh, this is interesting, but I just don't understand uh, the intention behind it. And uh, that word intention uh, became so important for me to to navigate um, because I remember speaking with Bing Liu, who uh, directed uh, Mind the Gap, Mind which the gap. is uh, a very personal uh, film as well uh, that takes place in the skateboarding community. That's, you know, about toxic masculinity and and that culture. Um, and, you know, similarly, he wasn't in early cuts of his film either. Um, so I remember having a conversation with him and, you know, asked him how he arrived uh, at that point. And, you know, similarly, it was through test screenings. And I, I remember the word he left me with was intention. Um, so having to think about that, it's okay, wait, what is the intention behind making this film? Well, it's to share my family story, but what's driving that intention? What's motivating that? Um, and you know, as, as cliche as this may sound, it's love. Like love is the love I have for these individuals and the resiliency that we have as a family. It's, it's something I respect so much. And that's why I wanted to share a story. So, I'm so glad my wife uh, was able to capture those little moments of me being on camera because they became incredibly vital uh, when we figured out that by including uh, myself in there as a filmmaker as a character. you see the love and you I think you get this sense even outside the screen of what's driving me um and and we had to go and find those moments and you know I think at the very end when you know I say to my dad it's it, this is my love letter to Bad ex sure but it, it's more of a love letter to my family and I don't think that would have come through at all um, had we not arrived at uh, the process of finding ways to include myself, you know, as as a voice behind the camera.
0: Right, and and it is such a, such a love letter to the community and to your to the fa- like to the whole family and the closeness that you all have, um, you know. But what's so striking is that you know, even going back to what you were mentioning about Chun before, about remember that, you know, everybody had that moment of, we can't get masks. What are we gonna do? Everybody remembers how that felt the beginning. And so there's a real universality that connects to people in a lot of ways of just remembering emotionally what those first few months were like. There's so many small business owners that have the opportunity to see this film, families that work together, that have that connectivity. And so what was, what was that journey of during the making of the film or when you first started screening it to audiences, where you realize this is an incredibly personal film, but with a much larger dialogue and a much larger connection that it can create for people.
2: Well, when, yeah. when I, is it for David or for me? I, I'm incredibly. just gonna jump in for a little bit. <laughs> oh, okay, but anyway, I just think that when the first time I saw the film on the big screen, number one, it was overwhelming, it's like, wow. Number two, you're kind of like, geez, if I would have known, I would be more carefully selecting and choosing my language, right? But I think the overall how I feel is that this is about family, which is everybody can relate it to. And this is about the restaurant, which is thousands of restaurants in this country and around the world go through the toughest time there is. And but every time we be talking about restaurant, everybody can relate it to it one way or the other, whether they eat there, they work there, or they own one. And when I saw that moment, I'm kind of like, "Wow, this film is can connect with really universal what we've been through as a community, as a family, and as a business owner, especially in the restaurant industry." Well, and and I think
1: the the moments. Um for me at least was when we actually had the opportunity to show the film in bad acts for the first time. Um, you know, it, because that was like a like a true a true test for us. Uh because you know, you see in the film that uh, when we released this crowdfunding trailer, um, it becomes a, a controversial topic, it becomes a point of contention within the community. So when we had the screening of, of bad acts and bad Ax this past May um we were just so surprised with how much love it was met uh in that room and you know not only to the people who you know came to support the film but to the people who also showed up and who were a bit skeptical as well, too. I mean, uh, there were several several of those individuals in, in the room that evening when we showed the film. Uh, these were the same people that were leaving Facebook comments and uh, stopping my mom in Walmart and telling her that they didn't want to support the film, you know, because of wh- how they think it's going to paint bad acts. Um, but, but after, you know, we had the chance uh, to show the film to those individuals, Uh, they were so positive towards it. And many of them came up and apologized to us afterwards saying they're sorry for judging our story before they had the chance to see it ourselves. And that that's a moment I will always remember because uh, for me, it was it, it, it was a moment when I witnessed, you know, for myself, what the power of cinema has to do uh, and what, you know, the power it has to create change beyond the screen. And the fact that, you know, these um, individuals connected with our film on a personal level and somehow saw a little bit of themselves through us, whether that's their own experiences with their family or bringing them back to when they were going through the pandemic or some of them being small business owners, whatever it was. um, It felt like, you know, they, Uh, They saw us as humans, they saw us as community members. And and that became, you know, so important to me was being able to humanize a lot of these issues that are brought up in the film, where people don't feel like they're being preached at. They're just watching our family go through these experiences. And and seeing people want to have real conversations after that screening, uh, it truly was incredible because that's the first step to change is being able to have dialogue.
0: That's amazing. You know, and obviously the the film shows those elements and those moments of community really coming together to support the restaurant. But there are yeah. also moments where the camera is on and, you know, I'm thinking about the moments where like Jacqueline, we're seeing you at the restaurant as people are calling in and saying the things that they're saying to you and your family. And, you know, the moments where people come into the restaurant and refuse to put masks on and are completely belligerent about the idea of leaving, you know, and what that feels like in terms of a lack of safety and the concern you know, especially so early in the pandemic. But was there, did it feel like there was a benefit to having a camera there for some of those moments for all of you as a family? Because even, you know, when we see later that there's some of the guys that have been following your family and following Raquel as she leaves the restaurant at night, and we see one of the officers say, oh, you know, somebody might want to take a look at that footage. And so there's a potential of it being used as evidence as well. Um, And so what was some of the benefit that came from having a camera turned on in moments like that and having David filming. You know, honestly,
3: um, with that from like, uh, I guess like the big, like the major levels. Yeah. I believe that David did end up um, giving a lot of his footage to, um, you know, to, um, the law FBI. enforcement, the FBI, you know, um, for them to take a look at and to see, um, you know, with those three men in particular, because those three men were they ended up being raided and arrested um by the FBI, and all three of them were charged. I think they actually just got sentenced this year a couple months ago, and two out of the three are doing prison time. Um, one of them was the national leader of a white supremacy group here in the, U- the United States with their base camp in Bad Axe, Michigan, which you know is crazy. Um, but the fact that that was all kind of, and, you know, obviously we had no idea who these men were when they first showed up to the black lives matter, um, protest, like we, we had no idea, obviously, you know, as we learn more about them, we became more and more scared. If I'm being honest, you know, when I approached them the first time, I just, I was just so angry that someone would dare, like, you know. Come to such a beautiful moment in our community and you know, kind of try to intimidate, obviously, everyone. Like it's like, how dare you ruin this for everyone here and for this community? Um, but you know, David capturing that all on camera, I think that, that was that was really important. But then even on, you know, um kind of a different level, I think that it's important that he was able to capture a lot of what what we went through, you know, as a family and with the restaurant. Um, because I think that some people really don't believe that you know racism exists or that racism is a problem um especially you know in especially in communities where maybe um you know they don't have as much diversity and everything so excuse me um i think that it was you know being able to capture that and for people to see like we actually had you know phone calls of people saying like Asians. That it's such a weird thing to say, but like that's what they said, <laughs> and then they would hang up. Um, or you know, when we did get the call from the neo-Nazi, um, you know, all these things that you know, I just think that. But once people realize that it exists, they're like, oh my gosh, that's so wrong. I, you know, I can't believe, you know, I don't think there's a question of whether it's wrong or not. I think that people just question whether it exists or not. And once you can, you know, kind of bring, it's it's sad that you have to, you know, do that, but that's the reality. But once you can bring that to light, we had people in the, you know, community also say, I'm so, they, you know, when they did come up and kind of apologize for their, um you know, what they thought the film was versus what it was, they also said, I had no idea. I had no idea that that's what your family went through. And I had no idea that, you know, these things were happening. So I think that, you know, in a way that it, looking back on it, it was probably you know probably a good thing that he did capture you know some of those moments and everything because it it just helps create awareness and then once people understand it exists then you can work on solving the problem but if they don't think that there's a problem then they don't think that there's anything to solve so
2: I, I just want to add to it I think the years 2020 really bring out the true color of some people and I'm glad it was captured on camera you know it's like come on if anybody have the nerve to defend those three men, they have a problem. This community have no room for men like those three men. You know, whether a smaller town in Bad Axe or in the state of Michigan or in this country. But once you capture it, when you show the fact that they actually arrested and it was come on on, uh, television and uh, national televisions about those men was arrested. And I think that's when people start to realize, say, oh yeah, we sure do have some of the problem. And it is no good community wanna have, you know, that kind of problem that tarnish the the, the community.
0: Yeah. And what was the real-
2: It's not not a problem specific to bad acts, right? I mean, these are problems for many,
1: so many communities like bad acts have to you know families like us that they go through it's it's the harsh reality of it it's not a it's not us trying to you know uh make a smear piece on bad acts right as some people have said it's not that at all it's just this is the reality of you know what multicultural families like the sim family like our family uh have had to go through in 2020
0: and also for you, David, I was interested in the the post-production and the editing of this film because you you were touching upon earlier how you had some early rough cuts and you were really kind of trying to find the essence of what the film was. And it sounds like this film in particular was a real evolution for you in really understanding your voice as a filmmaker as well. And, you know, that that at, earlier on you kind of had a bit of an idea of the film has to have a specific, you know, topic and agenda and discourse, and that along the way you really realised it was just about that personal intimacy um and so given that a lot of that it sounds like happened during post-production as you were editing the film I was interested in some of the different iterations or directions that you you initially started taking the film into sure. and how you really found that
1: yeah I you know I, I think those early edits uh really represented um so much of the anger um I had towards bad acts and, and our country during that time right and um I I think I I did lose track of why I was making the film uh, in the first place when I began editing. You know, like I said, I I started editing after Black Lives Matter protests, and you know, I'm fired up. You know, I, I'm so angry about everything that's going on, you know, uh not only in our country, but you know, in, in in our small town of Bad X. And uh I I brought a lot of that, of those emotions into that cut and It it ended up becoming less focused on the family as a result of that and more about, you know, my agenda of what I was trying to say about our country and, you know, uh, very much being a filmmaker that I felt like was, you know, getting on my soapbox and the result of that would have just been me preaching to my echo chambers. And it took, you know, a a really... it took very many conversations um, you know, with producers, with editors, and ultimately my family to arrive back at the point of why I was making the film in the first place. Um and, and when I say that, you know, that these early cuts of the film were more representative of uh of my of my angers and frustrations, um it became less about the family because I used like a lot of news sound bites and, uh, you know, provocative like images and clips that were like on CNN and Fox News. It, it just totally, uh, I feel like took it, you know, takes the audience out of this personal story and is trying to just say a much bigger message, which it that just, I you know, that just wasn't the way to do it. Uh, the film at the end of the day, uh, I had to come to this cl- conclusion that. You know, I was making the film because I wanted to share my family's story. And the motivation behind that was love, like I mentioned earlier. And that was what I had to bring in the editing room. And the editing process was really coming at these issues that I wanted to speak about from the most personal lens through these individuals that I loved. And um, I'm so glad that I did that because I think, you know, at the end of the day, when I hope an audience has watched this film, um, the issues are so humanized. You're seeing a real family, a real sister, a real uh, father, a real mom, you know, going through what so many people in our country are going through. And they're not trying to tell you you're wrong if you're on this side or on this side. We're just trying to show you our experience for what it is. And I'm so glad that, you know, I came to that conclusion with the help of my many collaborators and my opinionated family, uh, because, you know, at at the end of it, um, I was still able to talk about those, the issues I wanted to, you know, uh, say a larger message about. It just... it was done through a more personal way that I think at the end doesn't turn off half an audience. Um, in fact, you know, being able to bring this from the X and seeing real conversations happen, it's it, it's almost like oh, I'm so, like it had to come from a personal lens in order for uh, those conversations to even take place.
0: You know, and and going back to the fact that earlier, you know, we were talking about the importance of the film and some of that really just coming through the quiet moments in terms of the business. It's also just this beautiful collection of family members, whether it's watching you guys play board games, you know, getting to meet a very, very cute cat, getting to see pregnancy announcements and David not reading his shirt properly and realizing he's going to be an uncle straight away. (laughs) Right, (laughs) And for each of you, I I just wanted to ask about, you know, what are what are some of the family memories that, that David's captured in this film that you really cherish just having the opportunity to have on screen and to really be able to hold close in that way? I mean, I'll go first, my
3: cat, my cat is amazing, <laughs> you know, and I want the world to know how, how, you know, how resilient she is and how, you know, strong she is and how fun she is, Um, you know, for all that life gives her, she's still like the the coolest, goopiest cat in the world. So, I mean, that's, that's my inner cat lady coming out. But, you know, I, if it would have been up to me, I, I I tried to push for more Migu scenes, but David said we had to draw a line somewhere, which I get, I, you know, I understand, Um, you know, but, and then, obviously, obviously, you know, the pregnancy is something that I just will, you know, I will treasure that memory forever, like of telling the whole family, but also just like that, that genuine love and excitement that, you know, I can't wait for my daughter, Rhea, I can't wait for her to, you know, see how loved she was always, um, you know, and how, just, you know, she was, like, the one thing missing, um, you know, in all of our lives, and my niece as well. We There's two, <laughs> um, but they both came within, like, eight weeks of each other, so the two of them have just kind of brought our family together if in a, in the best way possible. It's hard to put into words, but, you know, we, I, we're very happy.
2: I, I think for me, uh, speaking from, you know, the, the father perspective, I think the, the best, uh, the best part of what that film show is the relationship between a father and a daughter, which is, it's going on throughout the world, not just in Bad Act, Michigan. You know, the issue that, yeah, we all came from a big gap of age and different generation that, you know, we we do have many disagreements. I am sure anybody have a father like me or someone, that have a daughter like I do, and we do have a disagreement. But but at the end of the day, it, it's okay to it's okay to swallow your pride as a father, you know, to say you know, geez, how dear would she talk to me like that? I think conversation sometimes is really hard to have, you know, especially when you love each other so much. I know me and my wife, we, we fight pride more than most of an average couple, but you know, 35 years later, she's still the backbone of our our home. And then to demonstrate, you know, that what Jacqueline and I always have our disagreement, even today, as far mm-hmm. I, you know, I don't need to get in any part, <laughs> but by the end of the day that we love each other and we are so happy to see when she was expecting. Remember that scene, they woke us up at two o'clock in the morning. We did. I'm kind of like, what, and um, you know, what is it that important that you have to actually, and I was in the bed already. I said, I'm not coming out yet. And they he's keep he's saying- talking
1: about the pregnancy, the pregnancy
2: scene. Yeah, the very, yeah, ad, yeah. The, ad. The, yeah. The, 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 the scene that, you know, Rachel was screaming, go nuts. You know, <laughs> we was half asleep when, uh, when that film was shown. I don't, we knew we
3: would be mad when we woke them up, but David also had to fly out unexpectedly the next day, so we wanted to, you know, we really, we and also no one can keep secrets in our family, so we just wanted to, you know, get it out there. But um, I was like, they're going to be really mad at us for waking them up, but I know that at the end they're gonna, you know, I, I knew they'd be happy no matter what. So it's we've been. And there. I think
2: that part I, I'm gonna take I'm gonna take that to my grave with me. I mean, it was just the most unbelievable, uh, like as say an un- unforgettable moment that that we go
0: through i love that and for you david what what was kind of one of the moments that you really cherish having had the chance to capture in your family
1: i, I mean it's, I, it's for me it's all of it and i i'm sorry that's not a, a specific answer but like this being an independent movie um i didn't have to answer to any distributor or any studio or anyone i i got at the end of the day to make the film i wanted to make obviously with uh with many collaborators but it's all included in there because you know this is a story that i want to be able to pass on to um, my kids one day and they can pass on to their kids and even when my dad is gone they can pass on to their you know so it's something that will just live on you know forever and Uh, there's so many, I mean, just the fact, you know, like I want, I want my grandkids and my kids to understand who my dad is. Like, yes, he's someone who carried a lot of trauma, but he's also like one of the funniest guys I know, uh, you know, and and a total jungle man with his shirt off and (laughs) burning boxes and (laughs) talking about his time in Cambodia. I mean, uh, there's, there's, it's just all of it. And especially just being in this process now of being out there and sharing our story, I'm realizing like this is all part of it too. I haven't stopped filming. Uh, I, I, you know, we're in the, we're at the tail end of this 45 day road trip where we've been promoting the film together and the camera has been rolling, you know, these 45 days. And I don't, I'm not going to make a film about it. It's just, uh, there's just special memories to, to bottle up and to hold on to. So uh, yeah, I'm sorry for me. It's, it's a, it's a whole thing and everything that's that's come after. So
0: that's amazing. Well, it's it's such a wonderful film, and I love the way that we got to know all of you through this documentary. and And I hope that one of one of the outcomes of the film is even more people seeking out the restaurant Rachel's with all of you in Bad Axe. So, thank you so much to all of you for talking about this. Really appreciate it. Well,
2: thank, yeah, thank you. Thank you so much, you so much so for having, for me. having us.